Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... So, Kristen, where are you? Pop in here. You're in a glacier these days. Yeah, there we go. I, I put you know glacier- how much I love the cold. I know. Should I put you do it into a warmer climb, or should I um, let Ray stay there? <laughs> yeah, see, I think we need to exchange places. He gets, like, the, the desert, and I'm the freaking glacier. <laughs> Um, okay, we can give you the beach background if you prefer. I mean, that's doable. Yeah. Steve, do you feel warmer now? Yeah, suddenly I feel like I don't need a hoodie anymore or a down jacket. <laughs> Thank right. you, Fred. Thank you. Hey, for you, anything. Um, so before we bring everybody in, we got the mentor segment. And before we do the mentor segment, we obviously must ask you, where are you and what's the weather like? Of course, I'm still stuck here in Chicago, and it is a balmy 47, I think we reached today, which means the ugly snurt has turned into snud. It's like a snurt mud, just enough that as my car was clean and I could see the scratches that the kids at hockey put on its brand new hood, it's quickly dirty again. Um so, yeah, it's beautifully sunny. You absolutely have to have sunglasses, not because it's such a beautiful day. It's because the white stuff that's still frozen on the ground causes a huge reflection. So anybody who would like to live in Chicago and exchange that for the beach, give me a ring. I'm happy to swap places. Okay. I see people already nodding. No way. Thanks. So okay, let's, I get it. let's bring in your, your fellow mentor for the discussion. Yeah, coming partner in, soon. in crime. There he is, David. <laughs> where are you today? Speaking of, yeah, well, speaking I'm, of bright, sunny places. Um, yes, I'm still hiding out in Miramar Beach, Florida, just uh, just next to Destin. It's sorry, Kristen. It is in the 70s. Um, very little breeze. The sun was nice. The beach was great. The pool was great. So. Um, End of February, and 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 I'm fine with that. So I'll be back in the cold in a couple more weeks, but only briefly, and then I'm I'm coming back till for the rest of the spring until it warms up back in Ohio. So I liked you five minutes ago. Five minutes ago, I liked you. I I hesitate (laughs) to rub it in, but it's it's nice. No need, no need. Let's move along. Yes, I'm the one who rubs it in. (laughs) You know, I. I keep telling her she needs to buy the San Luis Obispo fran- Molly made franchise. Uh, that way she'd be out here more. But well, that's another topic. So yeah, yeah let's move along. All right. Let's talk about the mentor segment, right, Fred? Can we go? Right, right. we can go. So I was just going to frame it. Um, discussions in the past okay. week that have come up that there's a differential in franchisors. There's the what we'll call the big corporate franchisors, like Neighborly that owns Molly, as well as the family-owned franchises or the family feeling, the much smaller ones. So talk to us, talk to our listeners about that. 
Yeah, I had David um, join me again today because, um, well, first of all, he's just a ton of fun to talk to. And second of all, um, he and I have had different and the same experiences when it comes to both of these types of franchises. And one thing as we were moving through our mentor program last week, we discovered is that both of these types of franchises attract different types of people because they offer different types of benefits let's say. Um, and so I'll cue it up with one of the questions that David had, and then I want David to speak to that, and we'll kind of go back and forth. But, you know, the question for people to think about is how important should the atmosphere or the culture of the brand be to a franchisee? So when you're out there looking for something, you know, is this something that you should consider? And I think we both agree that absolutely it's something you should consider, right, David? I agree. And, and it's, and it's funny, as I, as I was thinking through that question um, when I was writing it and even just now, you know, the, the thing that really sticks out is, is it does matter, but it has to matter within a context of something else. So, so let, me, let me back up a little bit by saying when I joined my franchise, it was brand new. They were brand new. We were the very first franchisees. So they, they, had, they had to have that family atmosphere. And and that was the, the part of it. That kind of was the, the icing on the cake. Because before that, can this concept make money? Can we see ourselves doing it? And, and do we want to get into business with these people? And we did because it was enjoyable. It, was, it really was, a, you know, we used that term family, but that's how they felt. It felt like friends, maybe, maybe not family, but that we were friends, that they were so interested in our success. And we kind of knew that and felt it because if we were successful, then the chain can grow. So that was in the very beginning. Right. right. As it's matured over 28 years and it grew, I, while it was some pain, there's some pain in seeing that growth because we lost that family atmosphere, but we understood that it was really necessary to be able to scale it across the country, across the, across the world. So doesn't matter. I think it matters, but I think you need to understand kind of where it is and what the difference is. I, I came up from a corporate background. If, if they would have run it as a brand new franchisor and everything was just really, you know, corporate stuffy kind of by the book type of thing mentality, probably would have turned me off as I look back on it now. As right. I as it grew, I understood it, stood it a little bit more. I didn't necessarily enjoy it or go along with it in the very beginning. I wouldn't say I was rebellious, but it was almost as if, man, you're taking away what I fell in love with. Yeah. But I'll follow the line because I'm a good franchisee and I'll go through it. Right. But, but I had some tough time with that shift. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And, you know, that brings a good point for people out there who, who are looking to buy a franchise. You have to really look within yourself and say, okay, am I leaving – corporate USA in search of doing something on my own for myself. Do I really want to be an entrepreneur? And in my case, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I knew that I didn't quite have the gut to go out completely on my own into a situation where um, I was going to design things. I didn't have the background in IT. I didn't have the patience that it would take for a three to five year turnaround to be profitable. That just, I, I'm an impatient person as it, as it comes to that kind of stuff. So for me, a franchise made sense. Sure. At the time where my business came in handy is it was at the time a family 
atmosphere. So while you have certain requirements in terms of how much you need to spend, there were categories in which you needed to spend on print, on digital, on um, logos, things like that. You had a lot of money left over in your marketing budget to do what you thought was right in your community, right? So for me, wanting to get out of that corporate struggle, those, those tight guidelines, it was great. So if you're somebody in a corporate situation today and you want to break free, you may want to consider a family-run organization. Now, if you're somebody who is like me today, a little more ADHD, you're all over the board and you're looking for, stru for structure, maybe the corporate-run organization is something that you would prefer, right? So I think it's really important to identify what you're coming out of what your strengths and weaknesses are, and you have to really be honest with yourself and then look at what's really the right fit for you as you invest in your future that will make you, you know, profitable and successful. Yeah, so. I agree. And I, and I think in any event, I mean, that's, again, that's a piece of it because if you're, if you really desire to be in whatever industry it is and, and with that franchisor and it makes sense for you financially and, and, and profit, profitability wise, then maybe you can overlook it, but but I, I I think it is really important that you get in with some people that you feel comfortable doing business with, and that you feel they want you as a business partner, and you're not just a number. That's the way mm -hmm. I am. I'm kind of a sociable person. You know, maybe there's a lot of people that say, hey, you know, that cubicle mentality. Just tell me what to do. I'm fine, and I'll just keep moving right along. So th I think there's room for both, but I think you need to understand it because. It could either turn you on or turn you off to a franchisor if it's not what you're looking for. Yeah, and absolutely. Again, and again, to echo, Chris, I want to throw this in here because you said something that was really great. You know, when, when we started, it, it was, I wanted to shortcut everything. I had this vision of what I wanted to, to do, but I didn't know how to do it. You know, so I, wanted, I bought a franchise because I wanted to shortcut everything and go, boom, give me the, give me the operating um, materials. I'm sure you guys have made all the mistakes, all this trial and error. You've been open for 10 years, and now you're franchising. So it brought me to a quote that I, that I just read, and, and, and this, when you said that, it reminded me of this. Learning from mistakes is smart. Learning from other people's mistakes is genius. So, so, so let the franchisor make all the mistakes. You can just buy into that system and then be comfortable yep. with those people you're working with. Yeah. I wonder what that says about people who buy into a franchise and then try to try to outsmart what's already been proven to work. I wonder what that definition would be. Um, well, I've, I've tried to do that along with my, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think we all get in. I followed the line 99% of the time, but there's always sometimes, hey, I've got a better idea for an ad campaign. Or I got a better idea for an ad. Let me try to. So I would never book yes. the system in, 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 a, in a major way. Right. But, you know, I don't want to also, but I, but I didn't want to also lose my entrepreneurial spirit or my creativity. So true. So true. And marketing is one of those great places where I think there's a lot of wiggle room because <laughs> place to be creative. Yes. I mean, it goes with the wind. I would love to in marketing. So, okay. Marketing people are going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe she said that. But marketing is like the weather. It changes all the time, right? It like kind of ebbs and flows. Whatever's good today might not be good tomorrow. It's so even, even more so, even more so today. Even marketing, more, because 
<laughs> marketing uh, marketing changes. The wrong, the wrong word. No, I will agree with you. Marketing changes, but good marketing people just get better. Ooh, take that. Notice I I'm did not that. say anything about the people, just <laughs> the marketing. Okay, right. That's a change. I mean, people are yeah. getting bombarded with so many messages every, you know, nowadays, you know, whatever the numbers, 50,000 a minute, like, the, you know, there's crazy yeah. numbers they throw out there. So, yes, I mean, it, it, a skilled, skilled person needs to be at the helm of that. And, you know, in our chain, I mean, we went through so many of those, those, so many marketing directors, it wasn't even funny. And, yeah. and that's where, that's where I felt that little angst I was referring to was, I, I, you're stifling my creativity now only corporate branding, only this, only this, only this. Right. And, and we had, we had um, units in each neighborhood, each, each area had different needs and, and, and different talking points. So not to get on a long tangent about that, but that's where I felt, mm, you know, I don't have that where before I could call up the guy and go, Hey, I want to run this ad. What do you think? Those days were gone because we went more corporate. Right. So that's, yeah. That, that, that's and and I think, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point that you made that goes into one of the, the points or discussion points that we were talking about. And then we'll kind of start to wrap this up so that we can move it on to our guests. But, you know, you had mentioned on here about the culture of the franchisor and how it impacts franchisees profitability. And so if you look at that particular example where you're forced to use specific products, right? And you're forced to use not only the products, but to do things their way, that may or may not be the best choice for you, for your environment, for your particular store, right? You might be able to negotiate something better on your own. You might be able to barter or trade something. Um, and, and if the brand requires, to, requires you to use only their thing, who says you're getting the best deal, right? So well, you don't always know that. Well, you'll never know that. Um, but again, I understood that as, as a franchise or it grows and needs to scale. I, I understand mm -hmm. to the point where I have a, a bone of contention on that is, is if they're doing it and then they're kind of taking a cut off the top mm -hmm. and not, and, and, and not allowing that, 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 that little bit to flow back to the fran franchisee. So in my, in our instance, you know, the, the, the current owners of, of the chain that I, you know, I was part of, I mean, they still have those agreements, but they gave all of that money back to the franchise franchisees. And that, that's huge. Yeah. So if you, so if you cut a deal with say, you know, Coca-Cola and, and uh, the case it's, you know, it's $70 a case or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, but, and so you're paying $70 a case, but the corporate's getting a kickback of a dollar a case. Well, you know, that, that's a lot of money to them, maybe not so much this, but if we get a check for $750 that, that, that we, it was ours anyways. Yeah. That, that's right. And, and I know of a chain that pretty much that kind of what I'll call corporate type greed took that chain down because the franchisees couldn't make any money and they were nickel yeah. and dimed everywhere. Everything was private labeled and, and, and they were taking the franchise fee. They're taking the royalty. They're taking the, 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 the marketing fees and then they're taking you know, the, the skimming the top of the product. So right. the franchisees didn't have enough left to, to really, really make it work. So, yeah. And I think that I went off on a tangent because I think that's important, but that's where, you know, I get where 
because a family type culture is never going to do that to their franchisees. Right. And I think that what's important that we want to make sure our listeners know, and, and for all of those folks that go through our mentor program, you know, that's what we're trying to do in our mentor program. You know, currently between Dave, Ray, and I, when we have people go through the program and we're talking about with them about what it is that they're looking for in a franchise, we're reviewing the FBDs, we're having them talk to existing franchisees out there. These are the kind of topics that we encourage them to talk to owners about. Find out, are these people that they are about to go in and do business next to, are they happy with their franchisors? Do they feel like they're, they're in a family environment or are they being run by a corporation? Is there a giving back? What does it feel like? Because it's, it, you find out a lot more when you talk to owners of a franchise system than you do by reading an FDD. So please continue to join in. Uh, we've got more every week about the um, Million Dollar Mentor Program, and we're having a great time, the three of us working with people as they come through the program. And we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back with uh, no, 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 not yet. What? For, we're not? Oh, no. good, great, fine. We're okay, just going we're just going to change the weather now for Ray weather. Uh, so okay, you're back. Ray, you get to do it. We're back to the the you know glaciers dancing penguins and snow because Ray likes okay. the snow. So okay. Ray, where are you? And then introduce our guest. I am still home, and uh, the, the reason I have the Grand Canyon is because uh, we have the Grand Canyon from the, all the snurt that's melting. <laughs> it's uh, it's in the well pretty close to 40, 40 something degrees in in the area. And it, it, you know, I love it. I love it. I'm glad to be here. But uh, I, and the reason I'm wearing this particular hat is I figure Kristen is that somewhere she'd like to be. <laughs> Just a little dig with your pencil. We have a great guest today. His uh, his name is Chip Hires, and he is with Brightway insurance and chip brings 25 years experience in building growing and managing sales and operation teams he joins brightway in 2019 in his role and helps develop sales tools and strategies that will help the company grow welcome to the show chip thank you thank you glad to be here fantastic and and, and where are you at Let's, let's begin with that well, we're headquartered in Jacksonville, Florida, but I live just a little bit south of that. I'm in Palm Coast, Florida. Oh, okay. So you're, you're in, uh, we're, you know, the warm weather along with Dave. Yeah. Right. Neighbors. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was, uh, it's, I, I didn't want to chime in there. It's beautiful here today. It's sunny. It's like mid seventies. Just beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Is warm. it over? Is it over? It's over, Kristen. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> it's warm. <laughs> yes. I'll get you, Ray. All right. <laughs> so, Chip, tell us a little bit about Brightway Insurance. And, it, it, you know, I, I think we had some questions just before the show, the show began. Um, it's more than just insurance, selling insurance. It's more than just an agency. You actually franchise this operation. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. So Brightway is, we're um, 
one of the largest independent insurance companies in America, focus on personal lines, and we we do property and casualty. So we're doing homeowners insurance, auto insurance, flood, umbrella. We do some some commercial or business, and then life insurance. So we we basically have something to protect um, pretty much everything, total protection. And we started offering franchises in 2008. Currently, we're in either open or onboarding. We have right at 300 locations and um, in 30 states across the country. Wow. And and, uh, how about licensing? How How do you do that? I know each state is different with insurance, right? Yes, sir. It's regulated by the state, so in order to have a Brightway agency, you have to be licensed in the the state that you're operating in or selling insurance in. Mm -hmm. And that does differ from state to state. So, like, in Florida, you would need a 220 or a 2044 license, but in other states, it could be a different number or a different license name. How complicated is it for someone to get those licenses? It's not too complicated. You know, there's usually um, some online coursework and or um, study guides, and, and you study for a little while, and then you go pass a test and you get licensed. So it's not overly complicated. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that it's easy, but I don't think it's overly complicated. And and we do offer assistance to our franchisees that come to us with no insurance experience in that licensing process. Okay. Do you find most of your franchisees come out of that industry or do you have a lot of people who come out of a, maybe a sales background that choose to go into Brightway? You know, for Brightway, it's not so much um, about the market or the candidate's background. It's really more about the quality and caliber of the person. So when I look at our above average performers, I think it's close to 40% come from outside of the insurance industry. So they're coming from industries like food and beverage, retail, financing, professional sales and management. Yes, it, it, um, it's not a requirement and nearly half come from outside of insurance. Interesting, okay. So, so when, they, when they buy a franchise, are they buying it as a, as, as a solo person? Are they, are they expected to kind of build an office with some agents underneath them? It depends. We have a couple different offerings. So one of them is our retail agency, and that's our flagship um, franchise offering. That one is like your insurance, your typical retail storefront. And with that, there's a requirement of having additional staff, having a total, a minimum of at least three. But our office agency program, you could just be a solo insurance agent if you choose to do that but you're able to, to build an enterprise and build teams as big as you want with either option. Oh, interesting. So I would imagine um, that, that you represent numerous lines or, or num- numerous insurance companies, or do, are you tied to just a couple? That's correct. No, that's correct. We, we represent, across the country, we work with hundreds of different carriers so what that means is for a customer, it means that you have choice. So you can get the coverage that you need at a competitive price. And then what that means for our agents is it's not, you know, one size fits all. You'll be able to work with your customers, shop for them, and you'll have a competitive carrier mix in your market. That's fantastic. And, and one of the things that it's ironic, um, it's, I guess 
not just recently coming to the forefront. You mentioned a bunch of different offerings or products, except for one that I was curious about. I guess, like a better word, the supplemental insurance, uh, as as my nephew calls it, the the, the cancer insurance. Do you <laughs> offer that along with your with your life insurance and, and those types of offerings? Um, it's really whole and term life insurance. Um, there. I don't want to give you the wrong answer. We we may have carriers that offer policies like that. I'm just not 100%. I got you. Okay. okay. I was just curious. And you do. I'm sorry. Okay. What, you what do. Are, go ahead, Ray. All right. Uh, one of the things I do know about this industry is that it's cutthroat. How much assistance do you give your uh, revenue? salespeople regarding insurance um, because when my insurance becomes due, I get inundated uh, with phone calls and, and, and messages, uh, email messages and all offering. And I, I've had, even though I tell them, Hey, I'm, look, I'm with an agent. I've been with a number of years. He's become a friend of mine. If I take, if I accept to give you any information, I'm more than likely share it with him and not go with you. They, and this particular gentleman got mad at me, even though I didn't go with <laughs> So I was wondering how, how much training and how much support do you give sales? Well, we offer a, a ton of training and support for sales. And, uh, you know, in that's one of the advantages of Brightway that what you just described, Ray was, um, you know, that's the reason that someone would want to work with a Brightway agent because a captive agent only has their brand. So if they don't have something that works for you, you have to go somewhere else. With us, we work with so many carriers that we're able to find a competitive rate, you know, and get the coverage that they need. So that should never be an op um, an option that they have to shop somewhere else, but it is a relationship business. So what you said is exactly what we want to build with our customers. We want someone that says, no, you know, I have somebody that handles my insurance. They're the expert. You know, they, they explain things to me and educate because most insurance agents aren't doing that. So we, we work with our franchisees to train them on developing the relationships with referral partners and then in selling the insurance to really work as a consultant and an educator to the customer to help build those lasting relationships. Specifically with insurance, it, it is a relationship, but I, I tell vendors who contact me, I said, I would rather pay a couple dollars more for something and have a relationship knowing I can get what I need done through you as opposed to saving a couple of bucks. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes saving a couple of bucks will cost you a lot more in the long run. So that's why it's important to have somebody that gives you good advice. Yeah. Absolutely. And on, on that note, sometimes. Yeah. Usually every time. Yeah. And on right. that note, I would like to um, help us pay the bills by going to a commercial for real this time. And when we come back, I want to finish up on that and talk about um, probably I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on deductibles um, because I know that's not exactly what we're here to talk about, but more so um, commercial, residential, the different types of insurance that you guys have to offer in your stores. Um, so that people are familiar what they could visit a bright way to maybe accomplish. And um, that will be coming up after this recording or after this commercial break. Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? 
Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. And we're... I don't see me, but I think we're... There we are. It takes a we're while. Back. There yeah. we are. It takes a while to get you back from the frozen uh, tundra. I mean, you know, Ray likes yeah. the frozen tundra, but the rest of you don't, and it kind of affects the cameras. <laughs> yeah, another reason we shouldn't be here. <laughs> My kids would say, Mom, you're being such a Karen. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so I don't want to go down my own little rabbit hole on insurance, but I, I will say I, I only brought up that whole deductible thing because of my, my new car situation and somebody dragging <laughs> a hockey bag across the hood. And all I could think of is why did I choose to have a high deductible on top because it's going to cost me a small fortune to have it repainted. But anyway, well, let's talk about – oh, go ahead. I, as you say, I've got, I've got a question, for, or not a question, but a, really a comment. I mean, in, in the last segment, Chip was talking. One thing you mentioned so many times that, that, that resonated with me is, is training franchisees. We train franchisees. We train them on this. Train them on that. So I, I think that's fantastic. I, I, again, I believe that franchisors who invest in heavily in training their franchisees and then, can, you know, Consequently, franchisees who invest heavily in training their employees. I think those are your most successful chains and, and, and businesses. So, so you had mentioned training a bunch. Um, how does the, the kind of paint a picture for how does that look? How does that look initially, and then maybe ongoing? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, now kind of once COVID started, we went to a virtual environment, which has actually been really beneficial, I think, in the long run to franchisees because they're saving that expense of having to come in and, you know, be in Jacksonville for a solid couple of weeks. But so everything is done virtual. There's, um, we basically have training that is set up to get the owner open and ready for success as rapidly as possible. But our initial training is there's a two week period that's kind of an onboarding period. And then there's a six work, a six week training period. There is ongoing training and we'll also work with them to train new employees that they're hiring along the way. We have a fabulous learning system um, called Brightway University Online that there's access to tons of content that, you know, they can go to and it's available for them at any time to learn at their own pace. But the initial training period is about an eight week program and it's comprehensive. I mean, we want to get them up and running and able to sell insurance as rapidly as possible. 
Wow, that's, that's fantastic. Do you so, so, Chris, remember, we, this is the conversation we had a while ago. So right now, listen to all you fran prospective franchisees. That's a good thing. Don't sit yeah. there and go, oh, my gosh, I have to train for eight weeks. I mean, yeah. you got to be kidding me. You should be going, F thank can you. I get more? Yes, thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's what you're paying for is that expertise. So, yeah. many, so many franchisees go, I got to go to training. Whoa, yeah. that's your attitude. You got you got to flip that around. You 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 get to go to training because you're learning how to be successful. So yep, absolutely. I just, I just want to throw that in there. We're just you know, talking. About I would this. add I would add to that the um, part of that training. It's not like classroom training eight hours a day for eight weeks, but there's uh, definitely a revenue building component. So part of the training, you're actually charged with. Um, you know, reaching out to referral partners or identifying re potential referral partners and then reaching out to them to start forming relationships. And we, we actually write policies and bind policies in training. So it definitely is it's a comprehensive training program. And it's not something that's brutal that they're going to be sitting in a classroom environment for eight weeks. That's and guess awesome. what else happens, right, Kristen? Guess what else happens in training? You're there with fellow franchisees yes. who are going through the same thing at the same time. And then when you open and start on your own, you've got some people you've made connections with that you, you go, got hey, a buddy. You got, got a buddy. buddy. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah, which is really going to bring me to my next question. I mean, obviously, right now you're approximately 300 units, but um, we know just by the number of I'll use state farms in my town, right? I mean, you could have. 30 state farms in a big town, right? Um, do you consider yourselves to be still kind of a family corporation or organization, or do you consider yourselves to be more corporate? I mean, in a way, right, insurance is a very structured product. Right. The environment in which you operate in doesn't necessarily have to be that corporate structure. Right. I would say that um, what I hear most often from new franchisees or candidates that come through our process is that they picked up through the, the culture of the company is that we are very family oriented, a family company. And mm -hmm. um, David and Michael Miller, their brothers and co-founders, they're actively involved in the business. And the culture of the company, just it's it just exudes the family environment. So we have our processes and our systems in place. So they, they're going to be, there's going to be that structure that you need, but the yep. environment and the culture is very family. That's awesome. That's awesome. Especially when you're in an industry that is um, heavily monitored and measured. And I mean, you have to have that, right? So it's nice to have the balance where you're a family environment doing a very structured uh, set of tasks. So awesome. So, Kristen, I, I would suggest to you not buy a Brightway insurance just to get to Florida for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was thinking about that actually, but um, I was also thinking about you know um, beach house investments for Airbnb or. I don't know. Anything that required travel yeah. somewhere warm, you know, I don't know. So I, I think San Luis Obispo Molly made still available. I can tell you that Mr. Handyman in the Bay Area is still wide open too, but what the hell do I 
know about a handyman. You know, I told my dad he's, he could come out of retirement and I said, I'll buy the business. You got to do the work. He's like, I'm retired. I'm not coming out. <laughs> It's probably, uh, we should start getting some of the nuts and bolts about the Brightway Insurance franchise. Yeah, let's do it. What does it cost to get involved? And what is your uh, liquidity requirement? Yeah, tell us. Okay, sure. Um, So we have two different offerings, and I kind of described them, a, a basic description earlier, but the retail agency, that is our flagship agency that requires a retail storefront. Um, we are in COVID kind of one of the silver linings is we, we made some changes and we allow people to work from home to start and then they gradually get their way into work their way into the retail location. So they have a period of time that they could be in an office space before the retail storefront. So there's a lower upfront and investment because of that but um, and there's a staffing requirement of a minimum of three for that but they can ramp up to those three over the first year too Um, the franchise fee for that is sixty thousand and then we're looking for someone to have an additional um, hundred to a hundred and forty thousand in working capital the other offering yeah, the other offering offering is the office agency, and this is um, this is our low cost option. So, our standard office agency has a franchise fee of five thousand dollars, and then a candidate would need to have an additional twenty thousand dollars in working capital, and that they will eventually have to be in a professional or an office space, but they can also start from home to keep expenses down, and they have the option. Of, of actually having an office space inside a referral partner's office. Like if a realtor has a spare office or a mortgage broker, they can do that. Um, there is a, another option kind of within the office is an enhanced option. And the enhanced option gives you a little bit more, um, more commission, but it is a $30,000 franchise fee and you would still need that additional 20,000 in working capital. Wow, there's a lot of flexibility in these uh, different options here. Definitely. I mean, as someone who's maybe thinking about going into franchising and doesn't have that much saved up, this would be an option to get them started. Right. It's been huge. I mean, I've seen people that have been, you know, dreaming of working for themselves, and it's a life changer. Like, they, they can come in with that low of an investment and start working for themselves and building a business and building residual income and a legacy for their family. So I've I've had so many people that have just said the words that this is going to change my life. And um, you know, we started we started that offering that a lower cost offering. That was really because of COVID. Like we reexamined our truths and we made some changes, and um, it worked out very well. Now, Chip, can they start at the lower option, the office option, and then move into retail? Is that something they're able to do? They can start at the lower, at the standard office and move into the enhanced, but currently they're unable to move into retail. Um, if we do give them the option, though, if they want to do it prior to opening, they're able mm-hmm. to do that. They, they just pay the difference in the franchise fee. Okay. Yeah, I would think that, you know, if, if people are, um, you know, some people, especially 
come out of COVID, as you mentioned, you know, the, the, maybe the finances aren't quite right and who knows what's going on in the housing market. And, but they get into it and they really think, wow, this is really something I can see myself doing. And they really want to make that leap. Yeah. It, it's, you know, great that they have a way to go bigger, right? Like really invest right. in that legacy building. So I think. Right, right. You know, I actually neglected an important part when I was talking about these. So the difference in the franchise fee is basically you're buying in at a higher commission level. So the retail agency would earn up to 100% on new business and then 55% on renewals. Mm -hmm. And the office agent, the, the, the standard is 60% on new business and 50% on renewals. The enhanced is 80% on new business and 50% on renewals. That, okay. that was going to be my next question. What is the difference? Because that's a, a significant price uh, differentiation. So getting in on the ground floor with the minimum amount gives you what? In the, in the, uh, what, what do you get in the way of training? What, what is your commission structure like? It, it's, the training is the same. We're agnostic to whichever kind of franchise you want to open, like whichever agency type works for you, that's what we want. Um, and the, the, the decision is going to be, what are you looking to build? How fast do you want to build it? And what investment level are you comfortable bringing to the table? Okay. Okay. And, and what expectations uh, are you seeing from uh, buyers of your franchise as far as profitability goes? How long? Um, I, that's going to be dependent on what they buy and, um, you know, what, how, how they start and launch the business. But I will tell you with the, the changes that we've made due to COVID, we've cut the initial investment a lot by offering the work from home option and transition into workspace. So they're going to become profitable a lot faster than they would have before this. So that's another perk. Oh, yeah. Um, but in general, I mean, I can tell you that for our franchises that have been open for five years or longer, the top 25% of those have a pre-tax profit of 425000 wow. and And the median in that same group is over 200. It's two, I should know this offhand, but it's 225, about 225000 mm -hmm. And our the top the top franchisee in the system has a pre-tax earning of over 1.1 million. Everybody writing that down? No. <laughs> I'm writing so, it down. I wrote so, it down. So, so Chip, you, you know, um, I, I got a question a little bit different here because um, I've always loved the insurance model because of the residual aspect mm -hmm. of it. So is there a place for some crazy person who likes to have his hands in a bunch of different businesses and open up a bunch of, Oh, I'm describing myself. Is there a place for a crazy person that can have the rights of franchise, but isn't necessary and is the franchisee, but isn't necessarily going through the training, doing all the selling, doing all the interest, but can hire the, the, the agents and the support staff. Is there you want to work on the model? business, you want to work on the business, yes. but not in the business. Yes. That's, yes, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, yes, we have owners that are not active owners. And what they do is they hire or put in place a designated agency um, partner. And that's the person, that's our point of contact. That's the person that's running the agency for them. So absolutely. 
If you want to buy a franchise, I can yeah. connect you with the right people. Because <laughs> <laughs> David and I are writing down numbers and notes. We're like, okay, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Kristen, who are we, Kristen, who are we hiring? <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason we always take notes when we do these shows. We're always like shuffling like crazy. And at Hold the on end, a second. Grace said he had insurance experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we pulled up our notepads afterwards. Hey, look what I wrote down. Enough yeah. experience to know I don't think I want to get back into it. Yeah. Well, that's because you worked in the business, not on it, right? Yeah, that's that's right. why. That's hey, true. so I have I have one more question that we're going to take another commercial so we can pay our bills and keep the lights on. Let me ask you in terms of growth. Do you have any plans on going outside of the U.S., like to our neighbors in the north in Canada? Um, we haven't. We don't have any plans right now. I mean, our our main plan is focusing on expanding in the states that we're currently in and okay. expanding into the states that we're not in. So I think there's so much open space right now and opportunity that we will have a while before we have to think about expanding beyond the United States. Excellent. When we come back for from break, if you know it off the top of your head, what I'd like to hear about is what regions you're looking to expand in in the next six to 12 months. Yeah. What that sounds. That's a good question. All right, let's go to break and we'll come sure. back and let's hear all about your next six to 12 to 18 months of expansion plans. Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Woman will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And we're back. We are. Woo, but okay. you'll notice it's much warmer where you are now than where you were. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit balmy. <laughs> hey, can't leave you in the in Ray's Glacier all the time. No, thank heavens. I'm sorry to see that Chip is frozen. Yeah, he's been frozen. Yeah. <laughs> chip it's him like, out. What is, you got to chip him out. He's frozen, and he's, in the, and he's in the warmest place out of all of us. It doesn't I make... know, I know. It's, it's as if Fred accidentally stuck him on that glacier. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least your voice isn't frozen. And so that's what matters. You know. That's right. That's right. Tell us if you know. I want to know, like, people who are out there thinking about, like, me, like, God, I got to just get out of this place. Where can I find a business? Where can I open a business that's nicer than this freezing, frozen tundra? Where might a company like yours be looking to expand right now? What's wide open? You know, Really, for us, it's more about that person than I told you about. It's more of the person because in every state in the United States, people need and are buying insurance. Okay. And so I'm of the opinion, why not buy it from us? 
And, um, you know, we've, we've expanded and gone into a lot of new states over the last few years, but there's still so much opportunity. And if we find the right candidate or the right candidate finds us, then we want to partner with them and we want to start selling in that area. So, I mean, you know, there's areas that are highly populated that we don't have a ton of agencies open. So those would be attractive to us, but okay. it doesn't really matter. You know, like think about it. If you're, if you're in any city or you want to move anywhere in the country, you want to move to warmer weather, pick a city, open a franchise, open a bright way. Awesome. Well, I do ask that because when I was first opening our business and we met with a this fabulous broker, Britt asked me, she said, well, where do you want to, where do you want to open your business? Where do you want to live? And I thought, oh, really? <laughs> and then my husband said, we're not leaving Chicago. And I thought, ah, okay, well, where I really want to live is back in San Diego. I mean, that's where I really want to be. And then after I got the reality check, I'm like, I guess I want to be in Chicago. And luckily there was still space here, but uh, sometimes people, you know, they get laid off. And so really that question is a great question for somebody who now doesn't have a job and can go anywhere they want. And so I think that it's a, it's when you're looking to start over, it's a great time to say, hey, where do you want to be? Where do you want to start over? You don't have to start over where you are. You know, it's a yeah. great time to really stop and think about it. Yeah, you're right. And we also, I should have mentioned this earlier, but with all of our franchise offerings, you get the right to a second location included in that. So we have a lot of people that they live somewhere and they want to open up um, a second location, either where they love visiting or vacation or um, have always wanted to live. David, did you write that down? <laughs> David, write that no, down. No, no, I'll do it. <laughs> How about you tell us? Partnership is brewing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Those are just like, that was oh, music to my ears. Okay. Well, I know I'm not the only one out there thinking these things, so that's good. That's awesome. Fantastic. And so, so now, I, I go ahead, quick David. Question, a quick question. On your top producer, I mean, that's a, that is a hefty amount that perked up everybody's ears, I'm sure. What, what kind of staff does, does a, an agency of that size have? You know, it, with all, not just the top producers, but with all of our top um, producing agencies, these are the folks that are really team builders. So you're going to have offices that have at least a few employees, you know, five to 10. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's really how that you, you get up into the bigger numbers is when you are great at team building. So it's not just, it's not just that look, that agency, but it's pretty much, you know, the, the top agencies in the system, they have teams of at least a few people. Yeah. So now team building, that's, that's, that's my baby, right? I love building teams. So, mm -hmm. so again, I'm going to circle back that training question because one of the things is I went ahead and um, kind of developed all of my team building skills on my own. I mean, and again, it's not a slam on, on the franchisor I was with, but they taught us how to run a business, but they really didn't spend a whole lot. And I, I think this is true for a lot of franchisors. They don't spend a whole lot on, the people skills part and the team building part. So when you go through all that training, how much time is devoted to that particular, or is that something that a, a franchisee is expected to kind of develop and acquire on its own? 
Well, the training is it's in segments. It's kind of on demand. So what we want to do is we want to get you open and selling insurance successfully as fast as possible. And so if you're starting and you're on your own, we're going to get you to that point. And then once you want to hire an additional employee or more, more employees, we have tools and resources to help you there. We, we use the predictive index, which is a behavioral assessment to help make sure that we get an ideal candidate. And we also have training modules that would help you in hiring and the, the team building skills necessary. So there's a, there's a lot of information in our Brightway University that's helpful. Um, in addition to, we actually have training for your producers that you hire. So in, in addition to training you and helping you with that hiring process, then we'll help you as you grow your team and we'll train your new team members. That's that's the training I'm talking about. That's that's the training. Well, folks, you know what time it is, don't you? It's time to go down the rabbit hole, my favorite place, (laughs) since I live there all the time. So for watchers, (laughs) strap in now. So (laughs) watchers of last week's show know that in fact. Recently, the Department of Defense and Pentagon has acknowledged that they have been testing uh, alien technology, which means we've had alien visitors here. So my question is, how will Brightway Insurance determine what rates to charge alien visitors for insurance? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, we're, we have all the carriers, you know, we work with so many carriers, so I'm sure that we're going to have um, a competitive offering for the aliens for whatever they're trying to protect. <laughs> so, as a follow-up, as a follow-up, do you believe that you'll only offer uh, insurance protection on Earth, or will you attempt to um, go to the, uh, their home planets and offer insurance there? <laughs> you know, I don't want to start. I don't want to be so small-minded to think that Earth is it. So I'm sure that we'll, we'll go beyond the, the Earth into, into the galaxy. Okay, boldly go. It has to be Canada. The first stop has to be Canada. Then, right? I don't know. I, Canada I in outer space. <laughs> Brightway Insurance, whose ongoing mission is to boldly go where no insurance agency has gone before. I like yes. it. Yes. I love it works. If it's not car insurance, it has to be ship insurance, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Spaceship insurance. That's right. Yeah. Hey, now that would be an interesting campaign. I know a marketing right? guy who yeah. can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Ray. Rip from the, rip from the See, tabloids. Yeah, you exactly. got to figure out the race for a transformer, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be good. Oh. All right, Ray. It's time for your famous last question. Yeah. Oh boy. And yes, Fred spends too much time in the studio alone at night. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> We won't uh, go into that, what he does. Anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to have to start muting people. Race with it, not me. Yeah, I know. We'll see how much airtime he gets next week. <laughs> so I, I'm sure that, uh, uh, especially with the, the low-cost offering, you've intrigued some of our studio, uh, some of oh, our, our sure. audience. And uh, the question then is, how do they uh, 
begin? How do they get a hold of you or, or whomever? And you know, uh, all your information will be on our webpage. It is. <laughs> it is. But you know, sure. Go ahead and uh, let us know how's the best way to get a hold of you. Sure. They can learn more about us at our website, which is brightwaydifference.com. And there's a button that says request info. They can do that or schedule a call and it'll be connected with one of our franchise development consultants. And um, they can also send us an email at franchise uh, at brightway.com. Fantastic. Wow. You've been a great, great guest. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Great, great, great with y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. And Dave Come and I are going to be going to be talking to you soon, Chip. <laughs> Super. Looking forward to it. So it's thank as, you so much. As yeah. usual, it's been an entertaining and somewhat weird show. So we'll be back next week on. I'm <laughs> sorry.